Hi, my name is Monica Kretschmer, and I'm the founder and CEO of the Universal Women's Network, Women of Inspiration Awards, and this is the Women of Inspiration Podcast, where we speak with women who lead by example, ignore the naysayers, and inspire others to dream big. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome Bina Kamath, who is a Senior Talent and Acquisitions Manager with FCL. She is the founder and CEO of Orion's Reach, an inclusive mentorship model matching multiple mentors with mentees. Bina brings 20 years of experience in the field of human resources that has been instrumental in designing and formulating mentorship programs for many nonprofits. Bina's philanthropic efforts have been directed to empower, energize, and influence women. Welcome, Bina. Pleasure to be here. So where I want to start is, you know, we always look at the woman where she is right now, but we all know that women learn from other women. I think the stat, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was published that 67% of women learn from other women. Now, I happen to think that's probably a little low. I would anticipate it, you know, in the 90 even range because learning the wisdom from other women who have paved the path for others is so important. So what I'd love for you to share is about your career path and your journey. Where did that start? Sure. Thank you for asking that. Uh, my journey started when I was a, a teenager and I loved to to coach. Uh, I loved, uh, you know, mentoring, uh, mentoring kids, especially with uh, helping them with subjects that they had difficulty in. So I had uh, just graduated high school and uh, one of the kids in my neighborhood uh, wanted me to coach him on on math and science because, you know, he was he was an eight year old kid distracted just being just being a, a boy and uh so his uh, mom uh comes to me and says you know Bina can you help him and uh you know he uh really admires you and uh I think that if you if you coach him it'll be more beneficial or he will receive it more positively than than me nagging him to death about it so that's how it started and I started to uh you know uh, tutor him, you could say, uh, but it wasn't for, you know, any, no, no monies were exchanged, but I did that because I, I love doing it. And that's when my journey actually started. And I started to coach him and then the word spread and then there were other kids and then, you know, and they would bring me little tokens of appreciation, an apple, you know, flowers from their garden, a dish their mom made, uh, you know, cookies, you, you name it. And the respect and and the love I received was uh, was priceless, mm -hmm. and the sense of accomplishment I received from this was uh, just I I couldn't it, it, I couldn't put it in words. So that's that's what truly sparked or ignited that that passion in me, you know, to help others, to mentor others, to help others succeed, and for me and for them to experience, uh, you know, that that joy that oh I I got it I got it. Because when, uh, sure. sorry, I just, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I've got a bunch of questions for you because yes, go ahead, man, go ahead. Yes. I'm sorry about, uh, <laughs> like I thought you were almost finished. So my apologies. That's okay. What I notice is, is that youth, there's so much opportunity for youth and, and the leadership yes. studies that come out 
is that if we can get to the kids when they're young, they make better decisions, their confidence increases, pair them up with role models. Um, there's so much benefits to reaching that age group, like the high school group. I even think it's younger. We have a peer-to-peer -peer jam role model talk with our youth that starts at like 13. But really, it's when they're making those really important career decisions, and, and some people don't have that support at home. Um, and even if they do, sometimes they don't even listen to it, to be honest. So, um, you know, it's really insightful for you to take on that role to mentor others and to mentor your peers. Yeah, ab absolutely. Monica, you know, I couldn't have said it better. And with the, and when I, I spoke to this, uh, to this individual, uh, he said, you know, he's like, you know, I'm not interested in going to school. Like homework has been fun and none of this, it, it seemed more like a chore to him. You know, and, and then I realized at that, uh, at, at that time that, okay, I have to do something to pique his interest. You know, I mean, school is seldom, is, is seldom enjoyable. Uh, for most, it's like, oh, I have to do assignments, I have homework, you know. And uh, it, was, it was no different uh, for the individual I was coaching at the time. And, uh, and I said, well, you know, uh, and as we were going through his math and science, I said, you know, you're, you're really smart. You get the concepts and why don't you like it? Oh, uh, I don't know. You know, uh, there, are, there are smarter kids in school. And, you know, he had that complex, which inhibited him from, from speaking up in class, for volunteering, for, for activities or projects. He had that and I realized that and I said, okay, you know, if I boost his confidence and or give him the confidence that he needs, the interest will come and the motivation will come. You know, I mean, he remembers it to this day, you know, he's, a, um, he's, um, and of course, an adult now married with two children who are teenagers now. So this is a long time ago. <laughs> What's interesting is that there's sometimes this disconnect where they don't see that role like the end of the runway where you know you have your sights on being a race car driver you're not going to get very far if you don't right. learn how to drive right yeah and if Absolutely. you don't go to the racetrack and, yeah. and practice yeah and that's a really simple um sort of analogy but yeah. if you want to be a doctor or if you want to be a dentist i'm just using very common um, professions where you're not going to achieve that without actually learning what you need to know in order to do that profession. So I think that's kind of where we have to reach out to our role models and some positions and roles and exciting careers that people are doing, like they're not knowing, right? And so we only get to know about those positions and roles and the career paths um, by people sharing like yourself like you're doing right now so um so so important connect yes yeah absolutely absolutely so you know and 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 of course after that you know i uh, went off to uh to university i continued to uh teach kids in my in my uh neighborhood and then university got really busy and then i had to scale back so uh and then once i went to uh university i met my husband in my last year and uh Got, got married quite young at 21. And then we moved to the Middle East. That's where my husband was employed in oil and gas industry. He's an engineer by profession. We moved there and we were there. So, and when my 
second child, I had my, I had my first child in, uh, in when I was in Kuwait. And then during the war, we went back to India and moved again to Doha, Qatar. In Qatar, my second child was born and she was uh, a baby when I had this offer from a friend of mine who owned a staffing agency. And she said, you know, I have a person who's going to go on, on maternity leave. And would you be interested in, in covering uh, for her? Uh, or it's a recruiter role. And I said, well, I had a, a bachelor's of commerce in accounting. And I said, I, I don't know anything about recruiting. She's like, yes, but I think you can do it. You'll be good at it. So, and, and she said, well, what's, what's the harm in trying? If you don't like it, let me know. You know, it's a temporary problem. So I said, okay. Uh, I talked to my husband. My, uh, my uh, youngest daughter was, was an infant at that time. And, uh, and my parents were there, fortunately for me. They said, you know, why don't you give it a shot? You know? So right now, you know, uh, my uh, Shweta is, uh, my, that's my youngest daughter. She's an, she's an infant, so we can do it now. The older they get, then it gets a little more challenging where, you know, they're, they're crawling or they're walking and then you have to be very, very present. So I said, okay, you know what? Let me give it a shot. And I did. And I loved it, Monica. Never thought I'd be in HR. I landed in HR by fluke. When I tell people, they were like, oh, by fluke, that's not very good. I said, no, sometimes it is. You never know. You Sometimes you don't know the skills you have until you're in that situation, you're exposed to it. And I, I was there and, and I loved it. And, you know, and, and that's something I did. And after that, you know, of course, the personal maternity leave returned and that was the end of it. So I, I loved that. I did that for a while. And uh, after that, we uh, stayed in um, in Doha, Qatar for about a couple of years and then we immigrated to Canada. When we immigrated to Canada, I wanted to focus on my children because, you know, my husband was trying to prove himself, carve out a career for himself, you know, in, uh, in, in Canada. And we didn't quite know, you know, what was the employment scene going to look like? Was he going to be employed right away? What was, was it going to be a while before he's employed? There were lots of unknowns. And my kids were very, very young. They were five and two at that time. So they were very young. And uh, for me, my priority was to get, get them to assimilate into the culture. You know, it was a brand new environment, new country, new friends, new people a new school, all of those things. So that was top most on my mind. And then I said, you know what? I'm not going to focus on work or anything. As the kids got settled, I said, you know what? HR is something I really liked. So I don't have a background. I did some HR courses in my Bachelor of Commerce, but not completely HR dedicated. So how about I go back to school to pursue my second degree in HR with a focus in HR? And that's what I did. So at the time when I was a stay-at-home mom for about 10 years, I went back to school and I was living in Fort Murray at the time. So there was, you know, a community college and that didn't offer business courses or HR courses on a, on a full-time basis. It was when you offered it, you, you took them. So it took me about four years to complete. So I got my certificate, my diploma, and then transferred to University of Athabasca to get my degree. So it was all distance learning. And uh, I did that. So, you know, one of the things that 
what are my message or my recommendation to anybody who thinks like, oh my God, it's a lot of work and I cannot do it. If I can do it, anybody can. My classes were seven to 10 in the evening and I had two kids and a husband and a family, everything, the kids activities, got to juggle it all. If a woman can do it, nobody can do it. So for me, yes. Um, I think women really know how to juggle a million balls in the air and still keep them all in the air. Yeah, you're going to drop a few. It's fine. But you know what? You're going to make it work. So I did that. And after my youngest daughter was 12, my, my, my girls were my biggest inspiration. One of them is like so critical. Uh, she thinks uh, she has this critical thinking uh, ability and you know, she's such an intellectual and who also inspired me for Ryan's reach. And my oldest is, you know, spontaneous and fun. And she sat me down and she's like, mom, I think you should, you should get a job. I said, are you sure, honey? She's like, yeah, mom, I'm old enough. I can take care of Shweta and you know, you should, should go and, and you know, get out and do something for yourself. And my, my husband has always been such a strong, strong advocate and such a strong influencing factor in my life. And my two, two mentors were male. So my, my father, who always told me, don't let anybody tell you you can't do something because you're a girl. And my husband, who recognized that I had, that, that I had passion, that I had, you know, a skill set before even I knew it. It's like, you can do it. Are you sure? Yes, I, I know. So, you know, you I have that. And then, you know, then then my then my girls. And then uh, I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to apply. Um, I don't know. I have, my job experience was, you know, very little and not here in Canada. Well, what's the harm? Just apply. So I got my first role at Suncor as a recruitment uh, administrator. And I did that. And I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed that. I was going to cite, I enjoyed that uh, work uh, environment because the HR team at Sunport was amazing. I mean, I have friends from that time to date who are my dear, dear friends. And that connection was, the connections I made was just extraordinary. So I did that and then got approached by, um, by a contractor who was on site and they wanted to create a whole HR department. They wanted to create something from ground zero. And uh, they had, they wanted, you know, me to put performance management initiatives in place and, and workforce planning and their whole staffing plan and all of these things. And I thought, what a great opportunity for somebody who's starting in HR, you know, building something from, from ground up. So I love that. In the fresh yeah. perspective. Yeah, exactly. That's so not I, necessarily I, from, you know, years of doing the same thing over again. So exactly. how brave are you? So I left my job at Sunport. It was still at site, uh, and but I was working for a contractor, and I uh, I really plunged into that, and I I set them up, and in a year and a half they lost their contract with Sunport. They were a Vancouver-based company, and the CEO I was reporting to him and said, you know, it's like move to Vancouver, and I said no. I can you know my family is here my husband works at Sunflower I said my life is here you know but it was it was great uh, while it while it lasted I mean I still connect with him to date it was uh it was it was great a uh, great experience great learning and from there uh then the next 
stint was at was at CNRL, of course, Canadian Natural Resources, is I applied to be a recruiter. It was a, a temporal and it was at Horizon Site. Now, Horizon Site is about an hour away from town, Fort McMurray. So you have to be up really early. You have to be on the bus at 5 a.m. And your day, by the time you get to site, it's about 6. Your day ends at 4.30. By the time you're home with traffic and everything, it is probably about 6 o'clock. Very long day. Monday to Thursday, four days a week, but very long days. My husband said, are you sure? This is this is a lot. So he's like, you, you don't have to, you don't have to take this. I said, well, I don't know unless I try. I, I may love it or I may not like it. It may not work for our family. And then, you know what, it's a temporal. I can, I can quit and look for something else. And I did that. And I, needless to say, I loved it. I loved the environment. I loved the culture at, uh, at site. And it, it just felt like a second family. It was, it was great while I worked there. I had, you know, autonomy to do so many different things. Uh, my boss was fantastic. You know, he was a real mentor to me, you know, and he was, he was one of those mentors. And that's something I learned from him is, you know, uh, a true mentor will never tell you what you want to hear. Will sometimes show you the mirror, give you some hard facts, give you some constructive feedback. A good mentee will take that all in. So, and, and he did that. He took me under his wing. I love to hear that because you and I have had conversations before about the role of our male allies and our champions. There is certainly so much value that they bring to the table. Women don't get to the 5% alone. They have help and support along the way. And so, Absolutely. as you know, with Universal Women's Network support, yeah. is super, super key. So I love that your father and your husband and you yeah. champions along the way within your organization that have helped you build your confidence and carve out your career path. So I have to ask you, so, you know, you've had all of this experience. I mean, let's go back to this. You made the choice for your family with support from your husband that you would focus on the kids. Yes. Coming back into the workforce after 10 years, what were some of the challenges, if any, that you faced? Um, I have many challenges, <laughs> many, many challenges. Let's talk nope. about those. Yes. Because the more that we can talk about this, the more it's going to help prepare somebody that's going through this exact same yes. thing. And maybe it's a different time, but one helpful tip. Yeah, help absolutely. Immensely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, something that I felt, and those were just my own inhibitions, which turned out to be so far from the truth. Uh, because sometimes, you know, we are our own worst enemies. We're so critical of ourselves and we are our own roadblocks. We create our own roadblocks. So some things I'm like, oh, okay, you know what? I was a stay-at-home mom for this long, so I'm already late. You know, I was in my, in my early 30s. So you think that there's a block. So we're talking about ageism now, thinking yes. that you're already past your expiry date and how can yes. you possibly get to that senior level position? For, so yes. that's one. Okay, what's number two? Uh, number uh, two was, uh, you know, um, 
lack of uh, Canadian experience working in that environment. So that was something, well, that was something that was new to me. Mm. So uh, especially working at, you know, at, uh, in, so when I started with, with Suncor, I didn't know what it was to work in Canada. What did that look like? What are some of the norms? What are some of the practices? You know, those kind of things. Culture fit, work culture fit. Those were some, those were some challenges that I, uh, I, I experienced. And, uh, you know, and the age thing, that was totally in my head. Age is just a number. You know what? It, it doesn't matter when you enter the workforce. Doesn't matter. If you want to do it at, at 50, you say, yeah, I'm going to go back to school and, and do this, do it. Nothing should stop you. Actually, it just reminds me of um, a woman in the East Coast. And I, um, her name is just um, passing me right now, but she went back at, to school at 74. 74 years old, decided that she was going to, you know, complete higher her education at 74 years old. So there is no limit to what you can do with education for your age. That's a bigger conversation about, you know, what the role is within certain organizations where they deem you past your expiry date. And I know we're talking about that very publicly with what has transpired. Lisa Lafleur. Yeah, absolutely. Real. Um, I'm going to focus on you. So sorry yes. about that side sidebar. Oh no, that's these are, good. These no, are that's topics really good that you yes. know, are not new topics, though. Is what I'm trying to really bring light to is that you thought about those things and those as barriers, you know, like 20 years ago when you were just that's right. Out. Those that's are the right. same issues that we're facing right now, and we should be so much further ahead. That's right. And Monica, some of the other uh, challenges that I encountered was, which I didn't know at the time, were microaggressions. Now we know more, there's more awareness. So I can, I, and actually I can pinpoint those. So those were, you know, there were a lot of stereotypes. Oh, you're from India, so you're not fluent in English. Uh, you have an accent, so that is a given that you're not fluent. You know, so a lot of things were stereotypes that I had to deal with. I just didn't know how to deal with them at that point. So we've got ageism, experience, culture, and microaggressions. Correct. All of those are still issues right now. Yeah. So as much as you think they're barriers, but you were somehow, um, there's something to be said for, you know, would you feel the same way if maybe you had if it was more of a conversation back then. Like we're having those conversations now. It's not solved, but we're having the conversations. Yeah. The next step is the action. It's taken us 20 years, but you know, know, my gosh, we can't wait any longer. So what I'd like to ask you is why right now is it so in part, like this decade for women to drive change, to be seen and to be heard and to be valued? Why is that so important um, for women in leadership roles? Because I think enough is enough. You know, that's it. You know, I'm tired of uh, seeing women take take a bad seat, of be apprehensive or afraid to to negotiate their worth. Uh, also, and to to speak up. 
I think because I've seen it so much, Monica, in my in my career, my not only just my professional life but my personal life as well. You know, where you you see that, and people are so hesitant to speak up for what they want, especially especially women. I see that at my workplace. I see that in my personal life and the numerous people I mentor. And that's my focus to give women a voice and the confidence to speak up. You know, you are you you don't ask, you don't get. And sometimes, you know, it's nobody's a mind reader here. You want something, you want that project, you want that, you know, you want that promotion, you want that raise. Talk about it. Speak up. Otherwise, you know, you're if you don't ask or you don't talk about it, how does your employer even know what you want? Mm-hmm. So, so you know, they're not mind readers. And women are very hesitant, or even in meetings to speak up. Oh, I don't want to sound stupid. Why do you so you've dismissed yourself before you even try? So who dismissed you? You. So so that's that's what that's what I I, I see. And I'm mother of two daughters. You know, I've seen them experience that in in school and have coached them through their school years to university. I mean, they're two, you know, fully employed adults now and and I have coached them along the way, you know, to to have to have a voice. You know, some require more coaching than others. Others are like, you know what? I'm good. Others have more more confidence and they are more assertive than than others. So, you know, having done that, to- totally relate to that because I had to learn to be assertive. So ambition is one of, the, I mean, we look at Serena Williams right now. I mean, the most ambitious, right. badass woman. She's a queen. Love her. She is like yes. a, just a world-class athlete, but she's ambitious. She owns her worth. Right. She is she doesn't shy away from it and sometimes that confidence not saying serena's i mean we all know what she does like she yes. knows she's a master at her talents um and, and made so much um paved the road for so many women but why is even ambitious or being driven to be seen by others or bossy um or asking for something is seen as, you know, um, entitlement or bossy. Why do you think that still is the case for when women ask for what they want versus then when men ask for what they want? This is so deep rooted, Monica. It's systemic almost. You know, it's so deep rooted in 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 just the psyche or the thread of society that you know that when men ask for it, you know, uh, it's it's normal. It's just natural for for a guy to ask you, ask for you know a raise or a promotion or to be ambitious. That's an ambitious male, a male professional. But a woman asks for it, it's it's bossy. You know, it's so it, that is just pure systemic and in, in woven into the psyche of society. And it's going to take a while to change that to make a shift. So what can we do? in their meetings to make that happen. When we see that, there are things that we can do. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And I think even for, for women, you know, when I went through um, 
training on how to be a board member. The communication style is completely different than you would at your workplace as, as a leader, as a manager, as a director. Because in a board, it's very male-dominated. So having more women there would, would give women, given a voice, it would give women that platform. Even in those key executive level positions, having having that diversity and inclusion will give will elevate women, where women are not will, will won't be perceived as less than. If they're ambitious, yeah, that's their right. They they can be ambitious, it's and a if they thing to have ambition and drive and it leads innovation, it brings others up, it gets people excited and. You know, it paves the road so she can do it, I can do it. And, you know, right. we talk about that a lot, but it's so yes. true. It's like, you know, if you see somebody like you, then you know that there's opportunities. I mean, going back to Serena again, I mean, she opened up the door for women in tennis and right. you know, for a woman of color um, and so many other different things that, I mean, trailblazing, but leading by example. Uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. And the one thing that I learned in my uh, getting board ready workshops is be un interject unapologetically. Unapologetically. Yes. Confident. But what was the word that you used before that? Interject. Interject unapologetically. Yes. Stop. <laughs> Drop the mic. That's a good one. Yes. So, and you know, that was, that was my aha moment too. So I'm like, wait a minute. So when I'm interjecting, I don't apologize. Yeah, you don't, especially in a board meeting. You'll never get a word in edgewise. If you don't say time out, I've got to speak. Yeah, You will never right. be offered the opportunity to speak. Correct. So important. Yes. Yeah. And so we can practice that. I think I've practiced that a couple times today, actually. Yes. <laughs> That's, but I, I think that we can practice those things um, in our conversations with trusted in, in meetings and in trusted circles with your peers where you can, you know, like really um, practice having confidence and, and being unapologetic with what it is that you're trying to express yeah absolutely and uh the other thing uh that uh i uh, i did a, a workshop which talks about uh you know um uh, neurological uh connections and, and leadership so it was it was really fascinating and and my uh the facilitator said you know women tend to apologize more than men and sometimes that apology is not required like yeah i I can see that. I had to think about it, and I said, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Well, you know, in a in a in a meeting, and or you were, you know, you were a, a couple minutes late, or you your your mic isn't working, or your AV equipment isn't working. You're the first one to apologize and say, "Oh, I'm sorry. It's really not your fault if the AV isn't working." So he just opened my mind to a whole other side, and then. You know, when I started to observe this behavior, I'm like, yeah, sometimes, you know, I find even my team members, why are you apologizing? I'm, I'm really, I'm sick. I, I can't come into work. I'm so sorry, Vina. 
Why are you sorry? Because you're sick. You're a human being. You're sick. You're sick. You can't come into work. That that's it. You know. So it was just a different way of looking at looking at things that I I that I didn't realize that I was doing. So sorry, not sorry, not sorry. Um, yes, that's another one. I mean, yes. these are little things that we can each do. I mean, I've you know, caught myself saying sorry because I, I literally have said those exact same things. You know, sometimes you have to apologize because you're late um, and it is your fault and accept, you know, what happened. But other times it's just a real quick sorry, you know, like you yeah. just want to be polite, but sometimes polite doesn't, it, you don't need to be polite. It's That's right. That's right. And not meaning that you're being unkind. No, but of it's course not, not required. Yes. yes to go that exactly. extra level because there's no need to apologize. Absolutely. Absolutely. So my question, I, I want to hear, I mean, with all of your years of experience, yeah. what is the best advice that you were ever given? The best advice that I was ever given was uh, by my husband and he said you know life is a risk in order to do something big you have to create a splash so jump in amazing yes I hope your husband's gonna listen to this afterwards and you will five him going you know what <laughs> thanks for your support because yes. you know what we need to hear those words of encouragement daily um, yes from those in our trusted circles um yes. in our workplaces and at home so great great advice what about the worst advice you'd ever been given uh why do you want to do this at your age why do you want to be a business owner start a new job this is all too much why do you want to do this at your age? Why not? So it wasn't advice, more so as a comment. I'm past, you know, I'm past uh, the the stage where I'm I'm gonna take take advice. I absolutely do, but I listen to my to my gut and do what's right for me. So, but but you know, you get unsolicited advice all the time. So, but it plants a seed for you going, should I or shouldn't I? And that is the danger. So, you know, support and don't listen to the naysayers, but comments like that, you know, they do kind of, they're not completely dismissed. They may make you question your decision, whether that's for good or bad. And like you said, trust your intuition. I am such an intuition person myself, but I really like that. I, I think that's a really important um, something to, to share because I think everybody said that in their life, you know, question somebody yeah. at some point in time and to put our own selves in check to make sure that we're not stopping them from doing something great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And having two daughters, my, myself, I, I need to lead by example because my uh, oldest daughter, 
you know so she as well is you know is uh going through you know thought process about about career transition those kind of things and she says you know mom is it is it too late you, you know you're in your early 30s cry out loud no you're not so do i uh you are confident you want this right yes and go for it go for it you know so you kind of paved the way for future generation absolutely i say mom did it if mom can do it you can do it i did it with with two kids and a husband and everything else there is no limit there is no, no expiry is no. date yes i started my business at 43 that's when i started the network at 43 after i'd gone through my divorce but you know what was really interesting interviewing hazel mckellian 100 now she's 101 but when she turned 100 i turned 50 and you would think that 50 would be a number that would be wow that's kind yeah. of old but i felt like i was just getting started i i looked at what she had accomplished in her 50 to 100 years and she only began to just run from that yeah. so amazing isn't it it's really amazing yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to the 100. I want to encourage all of the listeners to really look at that runway and just think of all the experience that you bring to the table and all of the wisdom and everything you have to offer. That age is wisdom and that is so valuable. Absolutely. Amen. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. So, I want to know what you were most proud of and i know that I'm, we're going to get to this we have before we end this podcast i'm going to wrap it up yeah. with a pretty little bow so i want you to share what you're on to next um yes. with your side hustle that you're so excited about but what are you most proud of um i am so proud of um uh, my accomplishments especially that work that not not just were but are community focused i'm so invested into not just the calgary community but communities you know all over canada through through my side hustle and and side hustle is very new but prior to that as well you know mentoring kids in universities of uh, um being part of various nonprofits and other associations and giving women the confidence and hope to believe in themselves i think that's my biggest accomplishment and that's will be my legacy beautiful and i'd love you to um answer the question for me where do you see yourself in the next 5 years tell us about that uh so right now i'm a business owner uh i uh i'm i, I call myself a business owner cuz uh we started Orion's Reach about uh, a year and a half ago and it's a federal nonprofit focused on creating uh customized mentorship programs and in 5 years i hope to go from being a business owner to an entrepreneur where we are successful at generating enough revenue that i can give back to my volunteers in terms of growth opportunities for them to give them visibility to give to provide a platform for them to shine as well as have enough funding and revenue to because you know i mean you can't do anything without without revenue to reach those rural remote communities where there is a lot of 
untapped, undiscovered talent. That's that's what I see myself doing. Well, that's a beautiful vision. And if we go back, you know, it's like our career paths are never linear. They're always windy roads. Yes. But if you go back to the beginning of our interview, sharing the story of you mentoring that um, young boy in yes. high school, um, where your greatest passion was mentorship. So yes. that kind of comes full circle for me, hearing your vision um, for what what's next for you and where you see yourself in the next five years. So um, I just want to say congratulations on all of your successes. Thank you Thank for you, continue to shine the light and pave the road for other women. And not just the women, but also really inspiring those around you that um, you can actually dream big, choose your path, you know, baby step it. Um, don't take no for an answer. Um, it's been great having you. And this is the Woman of Inspiration podcast. And I cannot wrap it up before asking you one final question. What is your definition of a woman of inspiration? My definition is, you know, a woman who has overcome numerous barriers, hasn't let anything stop her, you know, to, to get to where she wants to be. Was, was fierce, was bold, was confident, and uh, who is fearless. To me, that's a woman of, of inspiration. Well, you know what I see, Bina, is I see that woman of inspiration across the screen for me today. Same here. Same here, Monica. Thank you yes. so much for this um, great chat today on the Woman of Inspiration podcast. Um, listeners, I hope that you had um, sat back and enjoyed the episode here today. And if you know somebody that needs to hear this podcast, we really encourage you to share wildly, wildly and widely with your audiences. And how can we get a hold of you Um for those of you that are listening, how can anybody get a hold of you on LinkedIn? Yes, on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn as well as you can go to our website, uh, orionsreach.com, or you can email us at info at orionsreach.com. Beautiful. Okay, thank you so much. And I'm looking for an exciting next chapter for you. And once again, congratulations on your new role. And I know that you're going to continue to rock it out there and with Orion's reach and building that vision. Um, it takes change makers. And that was the question. Change makers and influence hers um, to get the job Great. done. So thank you very much. And uh, I look forward to chatting with you very soon. Thank you, Monica. Thank you so much for having me.